Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. We've been going through an understanding of the Holy Ghost, um, also the Holy Spirit, as, some, as the Bible says as well. He has many different names, Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, the Helper, the Intercessor, the Paraclete, come on, the Guide. And he is God in spirit. <laughs> the more I've been studying this understanding of the Holy Ghost, the more I understand that I've taken so much of God for granted. The Holy Spirit is a person, and he lives in you, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3. He lives in your temple. He dwells in you. And we, as a church, for some reason, don't give a lot of attention to the Holy Spirit. He is God in spirit. You know how you say, God, I need you? Guess what? You got him. If you're a believer today, if you're a Christian today, if you are saved and born again, going to heaven, let me help you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, meaning God the Spirit lives in you, meaning God lives in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's in you. And I know that you say, I know that, I get that. But even in your own prayer life, think about it. When have you prayed to God but thinking that he's up there sitting on the throne? Let me help you. Now, we pray to the Father. Amen. Don't get that twisted. We don't pray to the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, right, according to the word of God by the power of the Holy Ghost. But God is not just in heaven. He's in you. So what does communication and fellowship look like with God the Spirit? Right now in your life, what does that look like? How do you know that the Spirit of God is talking? How do you know the Spirit of God is leading and guiding? Well, for most of us, we think that it's a conscious that is speaking to us, our own conscious. No, in born-again believers, the Spirit of God is right here dwelling in your spirit, and he speaks to your spirit, which then affects your mind and your body. And this is why the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, to con not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of that mind, meaning that it's a process of change and growth within your life unto God that you will be in for the rest of your life. Amen? But as... I've been studying and praying and fasting at this moment and just seeking God, as we all are as a church. Have you just gotten a better sense of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you been talking to him more? Have you been hearing his voice more? Have you been, even when you read scripture, I don't know about you, but when you read the word of God, it's like, wow, God's speaking to you even in his word. That's how it should be. When you read the word of God, it shouldn't be just sentences and words upon a page it should literally be as you read it, the Spirit of God is giving you revelation of what it means. You know what I'm talking about? 
That can happen all the time. This is why even Joshua in one nine says meditate on these things. To meditate means to think about, speak it to yourself. When we get in God's word or we, we are in relationship and fellowship with the Holy Ghost, we're meditating on the things of God. We're thinking about them. And I know it's hard because when you start to pray, the first thing you want to do is stop praying because you're so distracted. Amen. Right? I get it. I've been there too. Where you get into that place and it's just so hard to get in that place. You're distracted. But then you break over into something as you continue to press in. You press through. And you get into a place where you get so sensitive so conscious of the Holy Spirit, God and Spirit in you. And it's like, you get a revelation of knowing, God, you're in here. And all you can do is really just break down in tears. Get into a place of a deep love for God. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Where you get in a place where your love for God is so deep that it's greater in the very air that you breathe. It's greater than anything in life. This is the love that God wants you to have for him. This is the place where God wants his church to get to. This is the place where he wants a father, a mother, a child to get to. To where they're so sensitive to God that in every endeavor of their life, He is leading and guiding and directing them. Because the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, he knows everything about your life. He knows the choices before you make them, what they're going to lead to. God knows you. And he knows the things even in the spirit realm, because we know that there is a spirit realm before you even know it. There are things in the spirit realm that will try to attack you, And cause deception to hurt you. There's been times in my own life when I woke up in the middle of the night and I had I was praying in the spirit. I didn't know why necessarily, but I was praying for people. And to come to find out, one person was in a car accident and they were about to die. But because of me waking up in the middle of the night by submission and yielding to the Holy Spirit, they didn't die. You say, really? How do you know that? Because of what the Holy Spirit told me. You're saying, do you know the Holy Ghost like that? Yeah, I do. Can you know the Holy Spirit like that? Yes, you can. He wants you to know him. He wants you to be so sensitive to him. He wants to get you to a place where you set your mind on him, and that's where life and peace will come. As a church, the reason why I'm preaching on the Holy Spirit is not because it's Pentecost Sunday next week. Not because the month of May we always preach on the Holy Spirit. God told me to teach on the Holy Spirit to get the church so sensitive to him that as we move in the season of this church, we are going to have to know his voice. Because if we don't know the spirit of truth, we will not be led into truth. We will make decisions and do things as individuals and corporately that are not of God, that are not within his plan, that are not for the vision of our house. Same way with your own house, with your own family. Do you know that if you don't know the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, 
Well, you may make decisions and do things that God never wanted you to do. You may get into areas of your life that God never intended you to get into. And then what happens when you do those things, you say, well, why'd you let this happen, God? And we put the blame on God. Where he's saying, you have an opportunity to know me so I can lead you, but you don't know me yet. Knowing God is not just a 10-minute prayer when you wake up. Knowing God is not the two-second prayer you pray before you eat. Knowing God is not just a two-hour service on a Sunday. Knowing God is 24-7. I was thinking about this when I was working out a couple of days ago. I was working out with someone that's not necessarily, uh, he doesn't come to church. He's not serving God yet. And I'm just working out and training, and I just felt my spirit Literally, right here. Remember, right here. This is where the Holy Ghost is. And I just felt the Spirit begin to talk to me as I'm working out, training. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not necessarily focused on that. I'm more focused on working out. The Holy Spirit said, hey, do you love me? And I'm like, of course I do. Now, he's training right by me. He has his headphones on, and I just begin to pray in the Spirit. It's under my breath. And God begins to say, do you know that I'll, you can know me at every part of the day? You can walk with me at any part of the day. He was reminding me that just because I'm doing things fleshly, working my body out, doing natural things, even in that moment, I could be conscious of who God is in my life. And you say, why? Why why do we need that? Remember, we're being led by him. There's people all in that gym that only the spirit of God knows maybe needs prayer, maybe needs an answer. They've been seeking God, maybe. You don't know where people are. You don't know what people have going on right here in between the two ears. At your job, you can be conscious of the spirit of God. I know you're working. I know you're focused. But even there's just a knowing in your heart. You know what I'm talking about? This is where God wants to get the church to. Us. To a place where you're so conscious of him. So that when it comes time for obedience, we obey. When it comes time for submission, we submit. When it comes time to yielding, we yield. When it comes time to saying, hey, not that way, go this way. You go that way and not that way. But it's going to take you doing one thing. And this is the title of my message. Yielding. Yielding. God is in control through you yielding. We say this. God is in control of my life. Come on, how many of you say We've all said it, right? God's in control. You know there's no scripture in the Bible that says that. It's funny the things that we say. See, we say God is in control, that he will do this in my life. Now, this is truth, but this is only partial truth. It's only partial truth. Partial truth will lead to an unbalanced Christian life. Full truth will lead you to a healthy life, a thriving life, and a balanced life in Christ. So what is full truth when we're speaking on the subject of God being in control? God's control or leading in your life 
is comprised of you yielding your life to him. So partial truth, God is in control. Full truth, God is in control when I yield my whole life to him. That's when God's in control. God ain't going to control you. He ain't going to make you do nothing. You got free will. You got choice. My body, my choice. Amen. But God, giving you every opportunity today, through his son, Jesus, to come to him, to give your life to him, through his spirit, to be led, to be guided by him, through his word, to have direction. The Bible says that his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Come on, God's word. But how does control happen? Meaning, how does God lead us? By us yielding. The word yield in this context means to give up possession of a claim or demand. Meaning, you don't get to make the demands upon God anymore. I know you're used to being in control. But when God is in control, it means I yield my demands. I give him everything. I yield my members, my life, my mind, my body. Everything is his. Everything. See, a step further into this yielding your whole body or your whole being to himself will cause you to experience his control, his lead, and ultimately you will experience God's control in your life. He will lead you. And now, why do I need God to be in control of my life? Because God is the one that will lead you into all truth. God is the one that will lead you into life. God is the one that will lead you ultimately to eternal life. How many of you know that today, if you were to die, you would go to heaven? You have eternity with the Father. That's not a consequence. That's great rejoicing right there. That's praise right there. Come on. You have eternity with the Father. Don't be fearful. No, rejoice in that. Rejoice in your daughtership, your sonship, and who you are. You're no longer orphans. Amen? So God's control or godly control, let me help you, is not forceful. It's not forceful. No, what it is, it's submission. Submission. The Bible says this in 1 John. Go there for one moment. 1 John 3. Verse 8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God, speaking of Jesus, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. This is good news. Satan doesn't have power over my life. As long as I'm in Christ, he has no power in my life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to the earth, to live a 33 and a year half life, die, be buried, 
rise again and ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. He did all this for what? To destroy the works of Satan. What is the works of Satan? Lies, deception, distorting. How many know, as a Christian, Satan no longer has authority over you? Then why are you yielding your life to him still? Notice yielding could be either to God or it can be to the God of this world, Satan. And how do I yield my life to the enemy? By walking in the flesh. Because it's in the flesh where Satan attacks. It's in the flesh, in the mind, where Satan gets involved, where he deceives, where he tempts. Let me help you. The Bible says temptation will come, but you have everything within inside of you to overcome temptation. Everything's within you to overcome. The Bible even says in James that there's no sin. No sin that is not common to man. There's no sin. Meaning that you might think your sin is greater than everybody else's sin. The things that you're struggling with are greater than everybody else's struggle. Let me help you. They're not. Sin has been sin since the beginning. Struggles have been struggles since the beginning. So let's not make ourselves special in the cases of our own life. No, you have been given everything through the power of the Holy Ghost, through Jesus Christ, by God, to defeat or to destroy the works of Satan. Because what does that mean? He sent the Son of God to destroy the works of Satan, meaning that when Jesus died, you died in him, right? When he rose again, you rose again with him. So that means because Jesus defeated the works of Satan, I have defeated the works of Satan through him. Not talking about me personally, but in Christ. Because where am I? Well, I am seated with Christ. I'm in him. My life is not my own. Therefore, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. So as I yield my life to him and submit my life, which is the same as yielding, I mean, it's submission, sacrifice, surrender, all these words that are big, but reality, that's what we do as Christians. When I do all those things, this is where I become an overcomer. The reason why you don't feel like an overcomer is because you're not yielding your life to God. He says this, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Speaking of the believer, you've been born of God. You just can't go on, keep on sinning. This is why you have the wrestle, the battle within you, the war going on. One's trying to dominate you, the flesh. One's trying to lead you, the spirit. Now look at this. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I'm going to stop right there. How many are a child of God? How is it evident? By his seed being in you. You're born of an uncorruptible seed, as First Peter says. An uncorruptible. Now, we came through our mother through an incorrupt, or sorry, through a corruptible seed, through Adam, but through the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus, now we are part of an uncorruptible seed. We're born again to where we don't go on living as sinners. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, for everyone who has been born of God, guess what? Overcomes the world. So how do you know you're an overcomer when you know that you're born of God? How many are born of God? Lift your hand. Now look, you know what that means? You're also an overcomer. Come on, say, I'm an overcomer. You know, you may not feel like you're overcoming, and I understand. But this is why you got to get the flesh submitted to the Spirit of God. This is where you begin to walk after the things of spirit, of the, of the spirit, walk in step with the spirit. Yield your life in the spirit. You're born of God. You're born of him. And it says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So how do I know I'm an overcomer? Well, I've been born of God. But how do I know I'm born of God? My faith in him. Now, faith will be tested. Faith will be tried. You will have to contend for the faith. You will have to have faith and not sight. We do not walk by sight, but we walk by faith, the Bible says. So you're going to have to fight for this stance of faith that you have in Christ, meaning that when testing comes, there's a fight of faith. When tribulation comes, there's a fight of faith. When I'm caught in habitual sin and an addiction and I can't get free, there's a fight of faith. And the good news is, you're not trying to get free. You're not trying to overcome. You already are free and you already are an overcomer. You just got to see yourself in that light by not seeing yourself anymore through your mind and through your flesh, but seeing yourself through the spirit. And this is where the issue is. How do you see yourself when you look in the mirror? Do you see yourself as this bodily form, as this intellectual, soulish person? Or do you see yourself after the spirit of God, after the spirit that's been changed, been transformed, been made new? Amen? You're new. So we live new. And it says it's our faith. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. We can't allow ourselves to think that we don't have a part to play in this. We do. Verse 5 says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Come on, we believe today. He is the Son of God. I'm an overcomer today. Now, the good news is, that's the first start. The second place we get to, or as the progression goes on in our life, we have the Holy Spirit. And he works in us. And in Galatians 5, you can go there, verse 22, 
Something begins to happen. So notice the word yield literally means to give up possession. But yielding also means this, to bear or bring forth as a result of what you have in you or as a result of cultivation, the dictionary says. What's been cultivated in your life. Do you know that the Bible says in John 15 that you are a vine or a branch and he is divine? And that when you are connected to the vine, well, that branch, you will produce something. You will bear much fruit. You will yield fruit. Notice within your life, you yield two different ways. Through surrender, but also through yielding fruit in your life. So when you yield or when you surrender, then you begin to yield or bear fruit. And what is fruit? Well, in Galatians 5. Have it up there. There you go. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Next scripture. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm not going to break all the fruit of the Spirit up. But what happens when I yield my life? Well, I begin to bear fruit or yield fruit. Of the spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control. All these things as I yield my life to God, as I surrender my life to God. So, yes, God is in control as I yield, as I obey. I watched a video on Instagram the other day, a reel, of this preacher getting up on the pulpit and saying that God does not ask for your obedience all he asks for is your believing. And I was listening like, what in the world is this guy saying? All throughout the Bible, we are called to obey. Love in its nature is obedience. Believing is good. Believing is just a start, though. Believing is a start. But let me help you. We must Give up our right of whatever we thought we had. And now walk with the Lord through obedience. So yielding is obedience. Yielding is obedience. And I know obedience is hard for all of us. Because obedience goes against your flesh. What would happen if a church would get so in tune with the spirit of God, with the spirit of their new nature in Christ Jesus? What would happen? Think about how much victory we would experience within our own mind, within our own body. The reason why you're not experiencing overcomingness and victory within your mind today is because you're still walking in the flesh. That's why anxiety, worry, stress, all those things <clears throat> come to play. But let me help you. Can you live a worry-free life? Yes. For some, that might be something that you've never experienced before. And I understand but when you get to a place in the Holy Spirit, your response to life is first through him, not in the flesh. It's first through your rejuvenated, born-again spirit nature in Christ Jesus. The Bible says this. In Romans chapter 8. 
Actually, no, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who lives or I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Who lives in me? Who lives in you? What does that mean? The Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit lives through you. The anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says this. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. You all have knowledge. What? A knowledge and understanding of the Holy One, the Holy Ghost living in you. If you continue to read, it says in verse 27, But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Not saying you don't need someone teaching you and teachers, but he's saying that you got to get to a place where you're so sensitive and you are following the direction and the guide of the Holy Spirit to where he is teaching you like he is. The Bible says he's a teacher. He will teach you. <clears throat> and as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it's been taught to you, abide in him. The Holy Ghost. Now, when you go back to Galatians 2, it says, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And now, this life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. So he says, the life I now live in the flesh, meaning right now in the natural state, not my eternal body, not when I'm in heaven, right now in the flesh, on the earth, for however many years you live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we want to see the power of God move. We want to see God change people's lives. We want to see people set free, healed, experiencing the power of God. We want to see the church have a name for itself in the region that we're in. We want to be the thing that is thriving. We want to be the city on the hill. We want to be the light that everyone comes through that's in the darkness, right? Come on, that should be the goal for us. We want to see every person that is broken today made whole. We want to see every person that is not serving God get born again. Amen? But we must live personally, individually first after the things of God. We must first live for Christ. We're not living for ourselves. He said, it's no longer I who live, meaning I'm not living for myself in the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? Well, go to 1 John. We've read this before. First John 2, 16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but this is from the world. Look at this. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the world. Meaning, this isn't in us. Now, you may still live and operate this way, but let me help you. You're going to have to get it to a place where you're not operating this way. You're going to have to start walking in the spirit. Denying the flesh. Go back to Galatians 5. 
Let's look at the works of the flesh just for one moment. I'm not going to break them all down, but let's just see what the works of the flesh are. Now, if you feel like some of these things up here are some of the things you do, it's all right, because I'm going to help you. In verse 18, it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Look at that. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What did the law do? The law showed sin. It showed you that you were a sinner. This is why they atoned for their sin through sacrifice of blood of goats and oxen. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. You ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty self-explanatory. <clears throat> How do I know I'm saved? My life changes. Being a Christian is not a title. Being a Christian is not something I wear on Sundays and take it off afterwards. That's not what being a Christian is about. See, and this scares me because I think some people think they're born again, but they're really not. When I'm saved, I walk in the fear of God. I walk holy and righteous unto him, through him, by him. Now, this isn't to say that when I make, make a mistake and I mess up, that I'm going to go to hell and I lose my salvation. Let me help you. No. It's about the attitude of your heart and the motive of your heart. And only you are going to know that. Now, we as fellow believers can see that by the fruit you bear, by the fruit you yield. How do you know someone is walking and serving God? They bear fruit. They walk in love. They walk in kindness. They walk in self-control. They don't do the works of the flesh. Now, that's for the church to see. That's for fellow believers to see. Because what happens when we see those things within the body, within one another, we're supposed to go up to one another and say, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? You're obviously, this is really affecting you. You can't get free of this. You need someone to hold you accountable? How can I love you through this? Rather than judging like, oh, yeah, they're just, look at, look at how they are. Look at how they act. Let me help you today. Get the thing out of your eye, the speck out of your eye before you start talking about anybody else. But what we should be able to do as brothers and sisters in Christ is love one another through truth. But what happens in the church, we get to a place where we come to church, we play the part, but we're not really the church. The church is not Sunday. The church is who you are, who I am, who us all of us unified together. We are the church outside this temple, outside this sanctuary, outside this building. Meaning how you live matters. Why am I talking about this? When we yield our life to him, 
Look what happens in James chapter 4, verse 7. Actually, go to 5. Or do you suppose it is to know? I got to read the full thing. You got to see it. Verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is not this, that your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God or it opposes God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in you? Speaking of the Holy Ghost. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Meaning, you can't be prideful and come to the Father. You come to the Father in humility. This is yielding. Yielding is showing humility. Showing humility. Now look at this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. About to help you. When I was studying this this past week, the Lord began to tell me submission to God. Remember, who is God? God the Father. God the Son. God the... Submit to the Holy Ghost. Submit... To God right here talking about your flesh submit your flesh submit your will submit your mind and you ultimately will resist the works or the desires and the passions and the lust of the flesh because that's where Satan works submit to God submit to the Holy Ghost Resist the devil. How do I resist the devil? When I'm walking in the spirit. When I'm walking and being led by the Holy Spirit. When I'm yielding my life to the Holy Ghost. I'm resisting the devil. And what does it say? And he will flee from you. Meaning he won't even be around anymore to mess with you. He won't have any place in your life. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to him. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now he's speaking about sinners. Think about what it means to be double-minded. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's unstable. 
Maybe at times you feel like that. Submit to God. Draw near to God. Resist the devil. Yield to him. That's when God will take control. Meaning, that's when you will follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I love this next part. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. This is humility. Basically saying that all the joy you had in life, serving the enemy, living in the flesh, come to a place where it, because the Bible says it grieves the Holy Ghost. You should get to a place where you have this godly grief or this grievance within yourself saying, what am I doing? God, forgive me. See, the problem with most people, they don't walk in fear of God. They got too much pride. And they say, if God wanted me to do it, he would have done it. If God wanted me to have it, he would have gave it to me. Let me help you. He did give it to you, and it's through his son, and it's by the Holy Ghost within you today, through his word, that he's given you everything that you need of. Because how much longer can you continue to do the things that you do? The Bible says that the works of the flesh lead ultimately to death. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Humble yourselves. The Amplified, I love the way it says it. It says, humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of our God, and he will exalt you, meaning he will lift you up and make your lives significant. I count myself as nothing, but in Christ, I'm everything. I'm significant because of who he is in me. Not because of the brain that I carry, not because of the accolades, the things I achieved. Even like Paul said, that means nothing. But it's Christ who works within me. See, there is a work of the Holy Ghost within you through yielding that will produce fruit that will yield fruit in your life. God will lead you. He will, again, God is in control, yes, by you yielding your life. And he wants you to yield your life to him. He wants his church to yield to him. Church is not about man's plans. Church is not about, I'm talking about now what we do here. Church isn't about just man ideas. God's plan was his church. The church was not man's plan. It was God's plan. This is his perfect plan. The body. To do the work of Christ. To do the work of the Father. To do the work of the kingdom. That's why me and you are here. You want to know what your purpose is? Be a servant in his kingdom. That's where blessing comes. That's where the benefits of his promise comes. That's where life is. That's where joy is. That's where peace is. When you follow after the Holy Spirit, when you follow after God, everything else will be taken care of. Yeah. 
One last scripture. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26, Likewise, the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. For when you do not know what to pray as you should, the Spirit himself will intercede for you with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. Let me help you. Where you're weak, he'll make you strong. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. He is interceding for you. I don't know if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost or the evidence of speaking in tongues, if you've been given power yet, because there is a third baptism that we see in the Bible, the baptism of fire. I'm going to be preaching on this next week. I know many of you are filled in the Holy Spirit. I know many of you, not just in the new birth and the inward work of the Holy Ghost, you actually have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let me help you. There's two works of the Holy Spirit. There's an inward work and there is an outward work. There is a... Uh, inwardness that he works in through salvation, through the new birth, and then there is an infilling that comes when the baptism or when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you get baptized with power, with fire, and the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. But it doesn't just stop at tongues. There is power to do God's will. There is power to do the works that Jesus did when he was on the earth. The Bible says greater works will you do. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.